Welcome to the Bad Roman Podcast. On this show, we talk with veterans, community leaders, Christians, and non-Christians as we explore the entanglement of Christians with the state. The Bad Roman Project was created out of the firm belief that as Christians, we are called to follow Christ, not the state. Here is your host, Craig Hargis. Hey folks, when should we follow orders? Should we follow orders at the expense of others if it means making more money? Who should we take orders from? Today I asked Abby Kleckner to come back on the show to discuss her article for the badroman.com titled Never Follow Orders. Abby, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me back on. Yeah, I always enjoy having you on the show. It's like I told you in the past, you have a way of looking at a topic and really make it make sense because you see things in a way that I don't see it. And when you point something, I'm like, oh, that's cool. I never thought about it that way. You've always been really good, but I've always been really impressed by that. Cool. That's awesome. I'm glad I do that. (laughs) I need to apologize to you for something, though, because I try to make it a point to have folks on after they write an article. And I remember when you wrote this and we published it, it just, I completely flaked on it, but it's still a timely topic because we see a lot of the stuff kind of fading off with the COVID stuff. That was kind of your motivation behind this article, right? What, what you saw going on when all like the first very beginning of all this stuff last year. Yeah. I, I wrote the article in like the spring, early summer of 2020. So it was when all the, everything was shut down and my kids couldn't do anything. And that's really where it came from. But I, I think it, it is timeless. Like the examples I give in the article are decades old. And I think it's something that, that we always need to be thinking about. Probably if something that people had thought about more, the COVID rules wouldn't have been as bad as they got. And, and even just in personal relationships and your job and everything you do, I think it, it's always good to consider your motivation for why you're taking any kind of action or making any kind of choice. Yeah. And like I told you before we got on here, um, this is kind of fading off, going away, but there's going to be another thing come up. And what the state has done to the, this point has shown what they're, they're, they're willing to do to wreck people's lives to enforce their will on people. And we need to remember this. Yeah, You know, people have such a a memory of a a goldfish. Goldfish. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They they forget things. You remember when 9-11 happened and the whole Patriot Act came out. Mm -hmm. And I mean, people forget that stuff. And now it's just going to get worse. And I think that the next thing, whatever it is, if it's another virus or they just try to bring COVID back or whatever, you know, the, the lockdowns are... But I'm hoping people kind of woke up to, you know, at the time of this recording, the, the Fauci email just came out and I haven't read through it all. It's all like like 3,000 pages. I'm not reading 3,000 pages of Fauci emails. I'm just not going to do it. But what I saw, what I did read wasn't shocking to me because we already knew this. We knew this before this, the emails came out. Now, people that bought into all of it, they need to read it and really take it to, take to heart what he said in these emails. They were lied to. We were lied to this whole time. And it's been really hard to watch how people have just fallen in line to obey these orders. You know, I say this a lot now. I heard Scott Horton say it too. But there was a time when in, in this country when people would say, you can't do that. This is America. Not anymore. I mean, not, you can't say that anymore. I, it has been so shocking to me. So shocking to me how people can just forget. One trip around a goldfish bowl and they're done. So we need to pound this into people's head and keep them keep them focused on this stuff because ten years down the road, man, we don't know what's gonna what it's gonna look like. We don't know what's coming, but we need to remember this. Yeah, I I hope it's something. I think like especially with with the kids who went through it because I think that's the people who it was hardest on the the kids how much they're school like schools are already like prisons but how much more prison like it became and how all of their activities got canceled and I think going through that I'm I'm hopeful that kids are like we're not going through this again what like when they become adults they're gonna be not willing to 
watch their own kids go through something similar. I hope I'm right about this because if the kids that went through all this, the state really screwed this up. And I hope when I, that I'm right when I say this, that the kids are going to remember this older they get. And just like you said, they're not going to put up with this in the future. The older folks, you know, have been so brainwashed. You said that before we started recording, been brainwashed by the state that they just went along with it. It was just so surprising me, so disappointing. I've been so disappointed in so many people, people in my own personal life. I couldn't believe some of the stuff that some of my friends were falling in line with all this stuff. But it was kind of a nice little uh, sweet vindication when these emails came out because I was like, I told you, I bet we've been screaming at you since this beginning. You know, when it first started, I had Carrie Baldwin on and we talked about an article she wrote, The Virulence of Moral Panic. Yeah, that was a great episode. Yeah. And I told her, I said, you could see libertarians, you could see anarchists, volunteers, whatever term you want to use, trying to get out in front of this because we knew how the state was going to respond but we weren't being heard. It was falling on deaf ears and it was just very disappointing. It's, so you just kind of had just kind of had to sit back and just kind of soldier through and wait for it to end. It didn't seem like it was ever going to end at, at one point. And it may never, I mean, it never may never completely go away. I, I'm noticing where I live now, the grocery stores, they're not enforcing any of this stuff. You know, I, I moved to a different County cause they didn't have these, these lockdowns. I had to get away from Memphis cause they were, Memphis was really bad about it. And moving out here, People like in Memphis, if I went somewhere, didn't have a mask on my face, you could feel the anger on the back of your neck. I have a bad habit of eating gas station food. And there's this little place right down the road from where I work that starts serving food about breakfast about four o'clock in the morning. So it's about time I'm getting off work. And I hadn't been because of all these lockdowns. And then the other day I was like, you know what? They just ended the mandate. I'm going to go get me some breakfast. I hadn't had any breakfast in a while. I was the only one in the store not wearing a mask and I could just feel it. I could just feel it like they just wanted to grab me by my throat and throw me out of the store. Now out here where I live now, I don't feel it. Like people are still wearing masks and that's cool. You wear 15 of them. I don't care, but they don't care if you're not wearing one. Hey folks, Craig here. And I'd like to let y'all know we are always looking for writers to contribute to our blog. I don't care if you have any experience or not. Two or three of our contributors had no prior experience writing, and it turns out they have a real knack for it. Our project coordinator helps them put the articles together, and she publishes them on our website and Facebook page, and you will also have the option to come on the show and go more in-depth about your article. So if you like what we're doing at The Bad Roman and would like to try your hand at writing, then send us an email at thebadromanpodcast at gmail.com. We're having a blast with this project, and we would love for you to join us and help him promote it. Now back to the show. All right, so let's get into your article. You start off with the Nuremberg trials. Am I saying that right? Mm-hmm. I don't pronounce things very well. I don't, I don't have nice words. <laughs> <laughs> but did you start with this specifically, this section with Nuremberg trials on purpose? or? Yeah, well, I thought it was really interesting because that's the first thing that I thought of. Everybody knows that's the common defense of I was just following orders. That That's the like prime example of how like you can't use that as an excuse to do horrible things that you were just following orders because that's what all the, the Nazis said was their excuse. Like, well, I was just doing what I was told to do. It was so interesting because I thought of that example and I thought of the Milgram experiment, but I didn't know that they were connected. I didn't know that Dr. Milgram, who did his experiment, did it because of the Nuremberg trials, because he was trying to figure out how common that was. Because everybody thinks like, oh, yeah, the Nazis were just evil people and I would never do that. But it's really like what he found out in his experiments is, yeah, you probably would. Probably any of us would. Like the the draw to follow authority is so much more powerful than we realize. Like we think we're making all of our own decisions, but unless you're really conscious of it and really aware that you're not harmless and that you could do some terrible things unless you are kind of staying vigilant on yourself about that, it's important to be conscious of that. And then I also thought of uh, Vietnam and the people resisting. And then I found the letter that the guy in the Milgram, who had been part of the Milgram experiment, 
applying for conscientious objector status because of what he had gone through in the Milgram experiment. So it was like all these things in my that I had in my head that I thought were disconnected. It turned out that they they were all connected and part part of kind of a chain of events. And I think to to follow that through is so interesting because it it can teach you so much. Like I was saying the thinking about Nazi Germany and everybody thinks like, oh yeah, I'd, I'd be the one who's hiding Jews in my attic or I'd be taking Hitler down, you know? And it's like, really? No, no, you wouldn't. And to see that experiment that, that proved that to be true, that almost anyone would follow almost any order to harm someone. And then seeing it come full circle with the people who were willing to stand up for what they believed in and not become part of uh, the Vietnam War because they weren't willing to just follow authority and give that as, as an excuse to commit atrocities, I thought was really cool how all of that kind of connected. Yeah, I did not know that until just now that they were connected. Um, and I had, I had heard of the Milgram experiment, but I didn't know much about it until I read your article. And just in case, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are aware of it, but just in case, kind of describe what he was doing in this experiment, because it's really shocking. That just because they're they they are told to do this, even though they're in the back of their minds, like man, this this can't be right, but they still do it anyway. And you, you talked about before we get to that, you talked about just following orders. How often do we see that from, or hear that from uh, like the police here in America? Mm-hmm. They were just doing their job. Yeah, yeah, just doing their job. And I, I go back to the Constitution quite a bit, you know. But I know they take an oath to the, the Constitution but they're not following it just because they're following orders. If a politician is making a law that goes against the uh, constitution, these police officers should not be enforcing these laws. And it's just really crazy to me that we're just following orders. That's how people die when they're following orders. But let's get to the, the Milgram experiment. Kind of explain what was going on with all that. Cause it's really interesting, really shocking what, what, what you learned. Right. Yeah. So like I said, the, so the Nuremberg trials were where the, uh, the, kind of higher ups in the Nazi party were put on trial for war crimes. And the main excuse they all used was that they were just following orders. And so that kind of became known as the Nuremberg defense because it was so widely used during most trials. So, so um, thinking that through uh, the, the Milgram experiment was to kind of test how willing people are to follow orders and how far they're willing to go. So how it was set up was, a person knew that they were part of like psychological experiment, but they were told that it was testing how punishment affected like performance, it, it, like recalling information or something like that. I don't know if they asked the questions or if the experimenter asked the questions, but there was another person like on the other side of a wall or something. So they couldn't see them, but they could hear them and they were supposed to ask them questions. And if they got it wrong, they push a button that they were told gives the person on the other side an electric shock. And the more questions they get wrong, like over time, they're supposed to turn up the dial to give them more and more powerful electric shocks. So the person on the other side of the wall is just an actor who's acting like they're getting shocked. So as the experiment goes on, that person acts like they're in worse and worse pain and getting bigger and bigger shocks. When it gets to one point, they start at saying they don't want to do it anymore. They don't want to be part of the experiment anymore. And then as it goes along, they are like yelling and banging against the wall and asking for it to stop. And then at the very end, when it gets to the highest level, they just go silent. So the person who's pushing the button to give them the shocks has to assume either the person is now unconscious or possibly dead. And so... What the experiment found was every single person at some point stopped and and kind of questioned the experiment like, hey, he's saying he doesn't want to do it anymore. Should we stop? And then the person running the experiment keeps encouraging them like, no, this experiment's really important. You have to keep going till the end. So every person took some prodding. But what the experiment found was that 65 percent of the participants were willing to take it all the way to the end to when the person that they thought they were shocking was silent and not responding anymore. So basically finding that 65% of people are willing to kill a stranger if an authority figure tells them to. 
So yeah, it is really shocking and really something that's really eye-opening about human nature. It's crazy to me. I mean, it's just, I, now they weren't actually shocking them though. Right, right? No. So it was just It was just an experience, okay. But they thought they were. They just, they, they thought they were doing it and they still continued to do it because they were following orders. It just, I don't know. I can't imagine in my own head following through with this stuff. I know. Well, and I think that's the thing is almost everybody thinks, well, I wouldn't do that. I would be one of the small percentage who would stop and say, I'm not doing that anymore. But that's why it's so important to know about this experiment, because you have to assume that you're in the majority. You really have to be aware of how strong in our nature it is to follow authority. To a certain extent, it's like you can understand why it's a good thing for kind of everybody to be on the same page and like go with the flow and not be like going against society at every turn, like for us to function together as a community. But you you have to have that awareness of that how strong it is in your nature to follow authority so that you can practice, and this was the point of my article, is that I think people should practice every single day in every single thing you do, no matter how tiny it is. I guess being mindful and thinking, why? what is my motivation behind doing this? Do I believe in what I'm doing? Am I just doing this because somebody told me to? And really taking ownership of everything you do and every choice that you make. So... Your excuse can never be, I was just following orders. It has to be, no, I I can give you the reasoning behind what I did. Yeah, maybe my boss or whoever told me to do it, but I agreed because of X, Y, and Z. Well, when people use that excuse, I'm just following orders, they're just passing the buck. Yeah. Their own responsibility in all this. Well, it's not my fault because I'm just doing what I was told to do. Right. Even if it means harming somebody else. So I don't know how they how they can be so disconnected from it and think, I'm not really causing this. They're causing it because they're making me do it or telling me I have to do it because of this experiment or whatever. It's just, I don't know, man. It's just crazy. And we saw it this whole time over this past year with the COVID stuff. People still acted that way, even if it was harming somebody. And again, with, with the police, too, that's a very common defense people make on their behalf that, like, well, the problem isn't. The police, they're just doing their job. The problem is the politicians. And the politicians are the ones you should be criticizing because they made up the laws. <laughs> and then they go and put these people in power. Right. The, the politicians are, are just people that you would never meet if, if there weren't people carrying out their orders through threat of violence or actual violence. They're the ones who have to be held responsible because if the everyday person who's carrying out the orders isn't following in line, then the politicians aren't a problem. And I, and I think you have to look at that with, with the police, with soldiers, with border agents, like all of these kind of professions that you think of the lower level people just doing what they're told and they're really carrying out atrocities. Yeah, politicians are a problem, but they're not the main problem. It's the everyday people who are willing to actually take action and not be responsible for their actions. And even, and we say this a lot on the show too, but it's the fact that Christians are willing to do this, to follow this authority, even if it's harming somebody. I, I, they haven't published it yet, but that uh, Eloquilt who interviewed me for their online magazine, we talked about this a little bit with Christians who, who are putting people in power. You know, the commandment, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not covet, you know, all that stuff. What Christians are doing, they're actually committing these sins by putting in people in power that have no problem stealing from you, have no problem murdering you. So they're in, in a roundabout way, the Christians are still committing a sin in my mind by putting these folks in power that are going to do this. We know they're going to do it. They don't, even, they don't even hide it anymore. They don't even try to hide it. Right. And, and I, think, I think it's actually really common in Christian culture to almost put put authority up on a pedestal and and uh the idea that you need to train your kids to respect authority that we respect authority at all times the the romans 13 idea of if anyone's in authority it's because god has put them there and so 
both with the state and and even with like pastors and church leadership, but like Christians are sold out for following authority, the authority of the Bible or or the authority of your pastor or all of that kind of stuff, or e- even like uh, the hardcore complementarians who women need to be under authority of a man. Like Christians are kind of obsessed with authority. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. It's so strange because. I don't know, man. When I was a, when I was in my status days and neocon being a collectivist, I, I still had this sense in my mind that I didn't want anybody telling me what to do. And knowing you like I know you, I don't think you want people telling you what to do either. I'm sure Abby bucks at, at any kind of authority anymore. I don't know if you've always been that way, but from the time I've known you, you've always been that way, and it's. Yeah, I I think like I remember being very dead set against dress codes in high school and like. <laughs> Don't you tell me what I can wear. Not that I wanted to wear like hoochie clothes, but yeah, just the idea. How much how much control the school exerts over your life. Yeah. You mentioned Romans 13. I'm glad you brought it up because with everything on the with going on with the COVID stuff, I heard that a lot from Christians. They dropped that verse and they kind of run away from the conversation like they just want to debate. I'm like, God didn't put anybody if, if God put them in authority, it was it was not to act the way they're acting. If they're not following, if, if these guys are in, in power because God put them there and they're not following the laws of God, we're not supposed to obey that just because they, just because they're in power. People get that so confused. Right. And one of the most common themes in the Bible is disobeying authority to follow God. Like it, it's all over the place. And so that it's just a total proof text to pull that out of context and say, well, we have to follow any authority. And really, I think it's an easy way out. If you, if you can kind of, you don't have to make difficult decisions if you're saying, well, I just have to follow authority and, and somebody else has to tell me what to do. Then they get all the responsibility and they get all the consequences and you can kind of absolve yourself of any guilt or any of the struggling with what to do because you, you just kind of turn your brain off and let somebody else take control. Yeah. I've had to repent of a lot of things in my past status life because, you know, my, my, I got to the point where the only reason I was really voting is because I was afraid of the left, you know, and that's just stupid. I've talked to a lot of people with this past election and stuff that didn't like Joe Biden, but they voted for Joe Biden because they hated Donald Trump. I was like, that doesn't make any sense. I, but I understand what they're saying because I used to be that way. But if you just sit and think about what you just said, you're voting out of fear, and that's got to be one of the worst reasons to vote. I don't advocate for anybody to vote, but if you're voting out of fear, nah, you're doing something for something's bad wrong here. I mean, you can't. Yeah, I think if if any choice is being made out of a place of fear, you really need to think long and hard about that. And I think, you know, not even as it relates to the state, but even just having boundaries in your personal relationships, like if you're even just fighting with people online, like you hear people say well, you made me so mad or what else was I supposed to say with the way you're acting or things like that. It's like, even in those small little everyday things, those are the things that really matter, how you make choices and how you take responsibility for your actions in in those settings. Saying, no, nobody else can make me mad. Nobody else can control my reaction. I have control over that. I have to be 100% responsible for my own behavior and my own decisions. I think if you are in the habit of doing that with every decision that you make, then when these big things come up that really are important and maybe putting people's lives at risk, it's so much easier to stand up and do the right thing at that point because you've you've practiced it all along and in every relationship you and your relationships are going to be so much better if you have good boundaries <laughs> and take responsibility for yourself. I mean, that's something I talk to my kids about all the time. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing too. I think people need to really just think, look at themselves and take responsibility for themselves. And once you do that, you can get to kind of get away from some of this stuff. I've gotten to the point now, I don't even think about who our president is. I don't care who's in the white house. I just don't care. You know, he does. I still walk around doing my own thing, going to work, hanging out with my cats, whatever, just, but I just don't, it doesn't phase me anymore. I'm so, so thankful to be away from all that garbage because it's, I know I sound like a grump sometimes on Facebook, but I'm, I'm actually a lot happier person than I used to be. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to lie. 
Yeah, it it really all that being so caught up in the soap opera of it all, it it really is manufactured drama most of it, and it it's just exhausting. And exactly, and they they manufacture it to to make you believe that the outcome is different based on who is in power. When it, it's exactly the same. I made that post yesterday where I, I've said. I said the the left literally put an older version of Donald Trump in office and the right is pissed off about it. Yeah. It's a clown show. It's such a clown show. And the left is happy about it. Like nobody cares about Trump's wall getting built anymore. Nobody cares about kids in cages at the border anymore. Nobody cares who the cops are killing anymore. It's like you've been told you won, so that's so you're happy. Yeah. Or you've been told you you lost, so you're mad. It's <laughs> It, reality doesn't matter. Nothing has changed and nothing will change with the state. You know, we, you know, we talk about, I told, somebody told me one time, it was one of the funniest things I ever heard. He said, I hang out in libertarian groups just so I can call them status. <laughs> <laughs> he did that. You can just watch their heads explode, but it's fun. It is fun. I like to pick on people from time to time, maybe more, more than I should. <laughs> Hey folks, Craig here again. As you know, this project is completely self-funded by me and all profits go straight to charities here in Memphis. That being said, I'm happy to introduce our first sponsor, helping us keep the lights on, Blockchain Trading Company. Blockchain Trading Company, purveyors of fine digital assets since 2021. Blockchain Trading Company aims to be the leading decentralized autonomous organization in decentralized finance by establishing ourselves in company with one another as purveyors of fine digital assets. Join our primary community in Discord where our ever-growing arsenal of tools are readily available to equip you in the brave new world of all things blockchain. See you in the metaverse. Thanks for listening. Now let's get back to the show. And let's get back to the article a little bit. So you and you, you talk about Muhammad Ali. I love this this part because there was a time in my life when I called Muhammad Ali an, a, a coward for refusing to go into military service. I know a lot of people that felt that and probably still feel that way. Knowing what I know now, that was more courageous than anybody signing up to go do that, go to, go to war, in my opinion. He bucked the system. He, 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 he fought the authorities and said, I'm not going to go kill somebody that I've never met in, in a war that you created. I'm not doing that. And he was willing to sit in prison for it. Right. And willing to give up his, his career and uh, like his whole life pretty much. And it, I think that's such an amazing example. And like, like you said, so courageous, like the term draft dodger is kind of used as like a horrible thing to call somebody, but it's like, oh my gosh, people who, who do that are, they're putting their whole lives at risk for something that they really believe in. It's such an amazing example. Like, I don't care about sports or boxing at all. Like I probably wouldn't care at all about Muhammad Ali, except for this instance of, of him losing his title to, to say, I'm not going to go fight in this war for you. And I don't care what you do to me. Yeah. I think that's pretty amazing. And I don't know that I would have as much courage if I was in the same situation, but I would hope I would. Yeah. It's it's one of those situations you hope to never be part of. Mm -hmm. People don't recognize the fact that the state can force you into a war that you have nothing to do anything to do with. You know, we talked about on one of our roundtables one time talking about these wars. I think you said it. You said these wars have nothing to do with me. These are governments that are mad at each other. Let them duke it out. Let them box it out. And I think we've made the put the this hypothetical situation of putting Putin and Trump in the middle of a ring, let them wrestling. That was pretty funny. It was a fun episode. Yeah, Saddam Hussein offered to duel George Bush Senior <laughs> because he was like, "This is a problem between us. Why get all these people involved?" And it's like you can you can imagine from a status perspective being like, "Man, that guy's crazy. That's not how the world works." But now, from an anarchist perspective, it's like. Well, yeah, they're the ones with the problem. Why don't they handle it between themselves? And why do thousands or millions of people have to die for problems between politicians? They're because they're cowards. Let's be let's be honest. I mean, the the, the politicians are, are a bunch of cowards. You know, whenever uh, 
those people stormed the Capitol or whatever when all that happened. I, just, I thought it was pretty, I thought it was funny. <laughs> I, saw, I watched it for like five minutes yeah. or whatever and went back to sleep because it didn't surprise me at all. But there was a photo that came out later of all these politicians hiding under chairs. Yeah. And I, there's, there, there's the people you put in power. They're willing to send you off to war to kill people they've never met and never, probably would never meet in their life. And these guys are cowering underneath the desk or underneath these chairs. And not only that, but knowing that it was really kind of no big deal, like nobody was armed or anything, like they're still hyping that up to go after Trump or, or all. It's so political and it's such overhyped drama. But but yeah, you using that situation of as an excuse of that they need to, you know, oh, we were so victimized, like. We're not giving a freaking break. <laughs> yeah. You want to talk about theater? That was all theater. I mean, that was all all theater. Totally. The sad thing is people ended up dying. Yeah. You know, with all that going on too. So it's got to get away from that garbage, man. I don't know. I guess I was confused. I thought I, there was a part in, in this article. Maybe I'm confusing it with another article you wrote, but we talked, we talked about the civil rights movement and stuff. For some reason, I thought it was in here. I'm looking at it. I can't find it. So No, I think that was but, a different one. Let's talk about it a little bit okay. because I like the uh, I like this reading that stuff like what Martin Luther King was doing what they were doing back then. And I told you this before on another episode. He was adamant about not using violence, but he was not going to obey these these, these orders. He was not going to do it. And I like the fact that they were nonviolent about it. We need as Christians to understand that we can we can fight the state, but we don't have to be violent about it. The best way to fight the state is just ignore them and stop put propping them up. Right, exactly. And and I think if we work together as the body of Christ, that's what makes the state obsolete. That's what makes even non-Christians like I want to live in a world where everyone no matter what their beliefs are are saying, "Well, yeah, I don't need the state because the, the Christians in my community take care of me well, and I know if I fall on hard times, they're going to be there for me." And I'm part of that community, even if I don't believe the same thing they do. I know I can trust that they're going to be there and they're going to be loving me and actually give me help in a way that I need versus the state who, I don't know how to, how to put it, but like their help, quote unquote, help is like a double-edged sword. It doesn't come without strings attached and they don't actually know you or your situation to be able to give you the real help that you need, it's kind of a one size fits all. And it's always with the benefit of the state in mind and to increase their power. Nothing they do is benevolence or the kindness of their own heart. It's it's always backhanded. When you see with the civil rights movement as well, that they were able to do a lot of things by not being violent. But people look at it and they realize that these folks are just trying to live their life. They want to be left alone. You know, some of the stuff they were trying to get voting rights and stuff, which is whatever. I mean, they think they'd be able to vote. They were going to change some things. But when you could see that the state was the one that was using all the force, that they were the aggressor in all of this, and these folks were not fighting back. Some of them did. I mean, I see why. I, I can't imagine somebody telling me I can't use a water fountain because I have a color of my skin. Have you seen this stuff going around lately where the uh, restaurants have sections for only vaccinated people can sit. Have you seen any of this stuff? Yeah, I have seen a little bit of that. Or talk of the vaccine passports. And- uh, last week in TJ's memorial, and talked about this a lot. And, you know, people get vaccines, whatever, I don't care. But it was brought up, the reason they got the vaccine is because they wanted to be able to travel. And I said, this is not freedom. How do you understand, how can you not understand that they, this, this is not freedom? You're, you're, you're kowtowing through the state just so you can get on an airplane. I just don't get it, man. And just, it just, like, it just doesn't, it doesn't register in their brain. It's so sad to me. Yeah. And to the point about the nonviolence, I think, you know, we're, we're all made in the image of God. And I think that hits us all as powerful when you see somebody who's being beaten or having a fire hose or dogs turned on them and, and they react with nonviolence. Like everybody is like, wow, that's something. And I'm going to be on that person's side. People think of nonviolence as kind of doing nothing, but 
it's a lot more powerful than people give it credit for. And I think Martin Luther King knew that. He knew that that would be powerful. And a, and a lot of it was kind of set up and staged. But he knew to get people on their side, he had to show the kinds of things that were going on and kind of be above reproach. That, that you, you know, they can't get a picture of us hitting back. They can only get the picture of us undergoing abuse. And that's powerful. It's very powerful. And it's... Uh... It's what I was speaking to a while ago, just the fact that you could, you could look at it and see who the aggressor was in all of this. And it wasn't these folks just trying to, to gain some freedom. Right. And I think that that's how the kingdom of God works. And everything is kind of upside down compared to the way kingdoms of the world work, because kingdoms of the world are the most powerful when they have the biggest armies and the most money. And But the kingdom of God gets its power from love and from nonviolence and from those things that are unexpected, but that we all can recognize when we see them and that they're powerful enough to change someone's heart, not just like you can control someone's behavior through threatening them, but you can't ever change their heart. But the power of the kingdom of God is actually changing people's hearts. Right. Totally agree. Good stuff, my friend. <laughs> hey, folks, Craig here again. If you're interested in sponsoring an episode, the first 15 folks to sign up for four ad spots with us will get a fifth spot for free. You can also support our mission by donating on our site. I'm so happy how this project has grown, and thanks for listening. Now let's get back to the conversation. Now, you uh, finished up with the article. It says, who do you follow? You talk about you're probably giving orders on a daily basis, like at work and stuff from your boss and stuff. You wrote, you, you choose to follow through on it because you understand and agree with the vision of the company and feel like that task is in line with the vision as well as an efficient use of your time. We need to take that kind of in our personal lives too, not just at work. You know, I mean, I have to obey things at work that I don't agree with, but they're paying me <laughs> to do this. So, you know what I mean? So it's a little easier to to, to do it, but I, I'm I'm pretty outspoken. If I if I really see something wrong, I'll, I'll let them know. It doesn't mean they're going to listen to me, but if I don't get it off my chest, it's just going to fester. Yeah, and it's like to a certain extent, like yeah, I'll if I think like, well, I'm not sure I would do it that way. I might do it a different way, but they're telling me to do it this way, so I'll go ahead and do it because it's not that big of a deal. But just the fact of going through the thought process of I'm making a conscious choice to do something to go along with something that I don't necessarily agree with. At least you're acknowledging that, recognizing it, letting it come up and saying, I'm still making a decision to do this. I'm still the one making the choice. It's not that they make my choices for me. And then you can kind of evaluate of where that line is of, well, no matter how much money you pay me, I'm not going to do X, Y, or Z. Or I'm at least going to push back and make them explain to me why they think I should be doing that. And, and, let them try to get me on board because maybe there's something that I'm not seeing. But yeah, I think that practice is really important. And, and again, recognizing that you have that strong inner pull to, to just follow authority, you have to practice questioning authority. Even if you ultimately decide to go along with it, you need to at least question and feel like you understand and recognize that you're making a conscious choice and recognize that you're not harmless and that you could be talked into doing horrible things. So you need to be vigilant over yourself and realize that you're making all of your own choices and that you have to live with the consequences of that. I think you hit the nail on the head there. Questioning the authority should be done on a daily basis. I'm not talking about at work. I'm talking about outside of work. Like if if, if work was asking me to do something that was completely immoral, you know, it was going to harm somebody else, I'd, I'd have to find somewhere else to work. Okay. But on the outside of work, Questioning authority should be practiced daily because if anybody is completely honest with themselves, they're these these folks that are put in power have absolutely no regard for our lives. So we have to question everything they're saying because I promise you, it's there's some th- something nefarious behind it that that is going to harm somebody in some fashion, in somewhere. I mean, every single freaking time. And so we have to start questioning these people. It's really interesting because almost anyone you will talk to will readily agree that all politicians are liars and probably evil. 
but they still are like, but we need the government, but the government is good. It's like this like nebulous kind of faceless entity of government is somehow good, even if all of the people who operate it are liars and evil. And it's like, like I've said in another podcast, like it's, it's a unicorn that people are talking about. Like, yeah, all these people in it are evil and it does all kinds of horrible things and it's always corrupt, but the unicorn is good. And it's, it's going to work out someday if we keep believing in it strong enough. But it's like, no, the unicorn does not exist. Let's talk about what actually exists, what you fully admit you hate and is harming you personally. That's what the government is. It's not this unicorn that you imagine. Yeah. That's one thing I've, I, I don't know if respect is the right word to use, but I've respected about the left is because they're completely honest about their tyranny. Yeah. Completely honest with it. The right, they're, they, they will lie to themselves. And I'm not talking about the politicians. I'm talking about people that are voting for the right or on that side of it. They'll lie to themselves about what's actually going on because there's a certain letter by a person's name. And so they have to have it right. Right. Because the other side's completely wrong. You know, it's like you said, even when you were a statist, you, it bothered you for people to tell you what to do. And I think people on the right all feel that way. Like, no, I don't like the government. The, I don't like people telling me what to do. I can run my own life and people should be able to run their own business. But back to blue, support the troops. Like they, they believe in authority even more than the left does. I mean, the, the left does believe government is benevolent. And like you said, they're honest about it, about wanting the government to take care of every person's needs. The left, I would say, views government more like God that will take care of us. The right, I don't even, I can't even classify. Like it, they, they are so deep in cognitive dissonance. Like it, there's no making sense of it. They, they're just not even aware of it whatsoever. Yeah, that's, yeah. Because <laughs> I mean, I came from that side and I can, I can look back at in my own actions and, and, and I was that way. I don't, I don't know, man. I like, maybe I just like to tell myself this, but I don't think I was that bad, <laughs> you know, but I was, I was pretty nasty to the left when I was, when I was at Neocon, I was, I would call them cowards and, you know, and I just, I was, I wasn't a nice person when I was involved with all that stuff. Like I said, I may sound like a grump sometimes on Facebook, but I'm, I'm a pretty nice guy these days. And for the most part, and I'm a lot happier than I used to be. Well, that, that, tribalism can really bring out the worst in you yeah for sure i mean i hope people start listening to this podcast and, and that are kind of on the fence about it you know we got a the the project's grown so much and just just over a year that's it's been incredible but i'm hoping there's folks that are listening that are just trying to learn about it because we're saying some things that what we're saying to and i was told when i was on the the tour anarchy show earlier hey i told him i said what we're talking to folks about Tell them we're turning their worldview upside down. Yeah, because it's not something that they're they're used to hearing. And when you when you start talking to them about it, it really it confuses them. But if I can just get one person to listen, we get one person to listen. You know, that's all I'm really shooting for because they can talk to somebody else that's a friend of theirs. You know, it's kind of how it spreads. And I'm hoping that they're sharing it with folks that are on the fence about it. That's what we need. That's what we need more of. Like me and you could sit here and talk every day about this stuff and we're going to agree probably a hundred percent of the time, but I need some folks that are going to agree maybe 75% of the time. But let's get them to that other 25%, you know, let's get them there. And I'm hoping that's what's happening. I think it is from, from what I can tell, I think it is because the folks that interviewed me at Eloquilt, they said he heard about the bad Roman project because he was de debating somebody on Facebook and they shared the Bad Roman Project with him, which is just really kind of, it's pretty cool to listen. Yeah. And I think that, that was kind of the motivation behind my article. It's like, you know what, if you want to be engaged in politics or whatever, like, let's not start with abandoning it all and be an anarchist. Let's start with, think about the choices that you make every day. Be responsible for yourself. Don't follow something just because somebody told you to, but really start thinking about that. And I think, I don't know, I feel like that was a major part of me becoming an anarchist because it, because I could, like, especially the more I learned about economics and how it's like when the government tries to meddle and tries to control things it doesn't understand, it just messes everything up and people need to be free 
to buy what they want, sell what they want, move where they want. And all that made so much sense to me. And then it's like, once you kind of realize that, that like, yeah, I, I can't control other people. And, and that's detrimental if I try to control other people and I need to take responsibility for myself and not let other people control me either. Then realizing all of it, all of this is not even real. It kind of naturally follows. I think that you're right. We need, we need to just focus on ourselves, and all that other stuff just kind of falls into place. And then with the, like the being involved with politics and stuff, I, and this is where I get frustrated because anarchists should understand this better than anybody that you don't have the right to tell somebody how to live. Even if you have a better philosophy, you still don't have that right to tell them how to live. If these folks want to choose to live as a slave, they should have that right. Right. I mean, even if we, we can talk to them and say, hey, get away from that because there's a better way, but you shouldn't be able to try to tell them how to live. And that's where, I, like, where my frustration lies with a lot of anarchists these days. We don't have that right. Just focus on yourself. And just have the humility in all areas to know that, that you, you don't necessarily know what the best choice is for somebody else. And the way you even read the Bible or have grown up believing you think, I don't know, you know God's will or whatever. No one has perfect theology and, and you're not right 100% of the time. So you, you need to hold your opinions in humility because, I mean, I know I've changed my mind about a million things like every day of my life. I feel like that's one of the most exciting things about life is my perspective on everything. I learn more and it changes and, and I see things differently. And so we need to have, I think we talked about this on the last podcast I was on. We, we need to have the humility to realize, well, I'm probably wrong about some things now. I'm probably going to change my mind about all of this stuff too. So I need to have the humility to know that and also allow other people to to be on their journey too and, and learning and changing their mind too. And like when, yeah, when you come down on people and I don't know, be, be super harsh about the decisions they make. Again, that that's using the ways of the kingdoms of the world is is exercising your power, making people feel stupid, or the kingdom of heaven is is changing people's hearts and and giving them room and space to be able to change their own hearts. Back off a little bit, give people space to to go through their process. Well, yeah, because I mean, we didn't get to where we are because overnight, I didn't. I don't. I don't really know your necessarily know your whole journey, but I know that. You know, the, what's that joke? What's the difference between a libertarian and an anarchist? About six months. It actually took me about two years. 2016 was the last time I ever cast a, a vote. But when I first moved to Memphis in 2018, one of the first things I did was register to vote. But I didn't ever vote. And I was going to get involved with some libertarian groups and try to help people get elected and stuff. But the whole time this is going on, I'm studying stuff about anarchy. And then I just wake up. I was like, no, I'm not helping these folks get <laughs> put in power. That's not my job. It's not that's not right for me to do. I don't have that right to put somebody in power over somebody else. It's there's nothing about that that says Christian to me. You know, that's and that's another thing. I don't just to get away from the anarchy side of it. As a Christian, we shouldn't we shouldn't be seeking to do that. That's my that's that's my opinion. It's not doesn't set well with some folks, and that's okay. They're gonna have to figure it out on their own. I'm not participating in your silly status games anymore. It's not my thing. I try to be kind to people to the best of my ability. It's not always easy. <laughs> Sometimes they make it pretty difficult, but that's, a, that's an everyday struggle for me. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like, that's something I have to work on myself every day. If the people seeing how we're treating other folks and being kind to them, it's going to be powerful for them to see it. And they're gonna, they're gonna be, maybe they're going to listen to us a little bit. Maybe. We'll see. I think that's how we get to where we're heading. You know, we're just, we need to be prepared for this because I, I believe that the empire will fall at some time and we need to be ready for it. So we need to be working towards a voluntary society, not working towards a, a political party that's going to help change things. We think, I mean, I don't know. I had some, I've had a lot of people tell me, well, we just get the libertarian in there. Things will change. I was like, how do you know? How do you know that? I mean, that's, that, that's a guessing game. I said, because what's that quote? Um, Absolute power corrupts absolutely. I think these folks get in power. I think they, they lose all understanding of reality. Yeah, that's another uh, famous experiment, the Stanford prison experiment. 
where they took a group of people and divided them into one half was going to be prisoners and the other half was going to be guards. And very quickly, the people who were chosen to be guards got super abusive. And so it that was another experiment that really shows like, do give someone a little bit of power and watch out. Like it, it gets bad. Well, human nature is pretty ugly. I mean, if you think about it, and you, you talk about it in the article, you said you need to be able to recognize that you, you are capable of doing some ugly things. Yeah. You want to think that you're not, but humans are, we have a, <laughs> we, it's in our nature to act like that. You know, that's why we're trying to work away from it and work towards Christ. And I, I have not heard of the Stanford experiment. I'm going to go look that up when we get done here. That sounds pretty interesting. Yeah. It's really disturbing. It, it's one of those, I think both of these experiments couldn't be done today because it's like somewhat unethical, especially the Stanford prison experiment, because the people in the prisoner group were really allowed to be abused to see kind of how far the people who were told that they were guards would take it. They treated those people horribly and they, they knew full well it was an experiment and you were randomly chosen to be a guard or a prisoner. But yeah, their their authoritarianism just got very quickly really out of control. I believe God created all people like inherently in our core, we're good. But there are these things that are in the world that we're in bondage under. And the, the struggle of power and authority is definitely one of those things that can easily get you in bondage and make you act outside of your God given nature. So I think, yeah, it is really important to be aware of that and know that if I had political power, I'd probably do some horrible things too. So we need to be on guard against it. Oh yeah. That's, I, I kind of use that with the same way. I don't think that's why God didn't allow me to get rich. Cause I do some really stupid things with, <laughs> with a bunch of money and I would probably do a lot of stupid things if I had some power over some folks too. Yeah. Cause I've, and I've told you this several times I've, in my mind, I think I've got it all figured out. So if I can just get people to listen to what Craig has to say, we're going to get this fixed. Now. <laughs> I know better. I know better than that. Well, this is cool, Abby. Thanks for doing this with me again today. I really appreciate your contribution to the project. You've worked pretty hard on it, and I, it's really helped get us get us where we're going. I really thank you for coming back on the show. Is there anything you want to add before I let you go? I'll let you get back to your family. I don't think so. But yeah, this was good. Thanks for having me on again. I like talking about this stuff with you. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you'll be on the show again. <laughs> it's a foregone conclusion at this point that Abby will be back on the show at some point. Thanks for joining us this week on the Bad Roman Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you find your podcasts to never miss an episode. And while you're at it, if you like what you heard, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, it really helps people find us. 100% of donations are given to local charities in Memphis, Tennessee. To learn more about The Bad Roman Project and to find show notes, please visit thebadroman.com. Bad Roman.